powerful services I think I've been in um, was at River of God Church at the Tribe of Judah National. I think it was, I'm not sure if it was the 25th year or not. But um, Ben Priest, well, let me, let, let's read the story again first in John chapter 13. Uh, curb your enthusiasm. <laughs> he can love you loud or he can love you quiet, but he loves you. He loves you. Anyway, in John chapter 13, of course, and, and think about it. This is Passover, the, the, the Seder meal, the arrest walk down the Via Della Rosa, the, the judgment, all of those things that are facing him. And, and when you read from John 13 through, you know, to, to the arrest, you, you realize that, that's, that those are the last moments of his life. And he, he spends time saying, uh, in John 14, 27, he said, I'm leaving you my peace. <laughs> you know, and, and if anybody was demonstrating peace right then, right, manifesting it in his life. And then he said, I want to give you my joy so that your joy can be full. And then he prayed in John chapter 17, the high priestly prayer, like, you know, what I want you to know is just like Father loves me, he loves you with equal value. Like, that's, that's the message. And he conveys it here right at the, right at the outset when he says, he says, um, after supper was ended, again in verse 2, the devil, having now entered into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son. It's too bad for that. Somebody betrayed him. Too bad it was Judas. But Judas had the... But, but again, you go back to Matthew chapter 6 when he said, you know, you're either going to love God or love mammon. Well, Judas was the treasurer and he loved... Matter of fact, it says he was the one holding the bag, right? And so, and so even when somebody washed Jesus' feet... With, with a year's worth of salary, that, that spike there, the ointment and all of that, he said it should have been sold and given to the poor, but he, would, he was going to give it to himself. He was going to give it to himself. And so he got messed up and, and, uh, and didn't. But I, may, I can't imagine what it would be like to be with Jesus daily for all those years and not pick up anything. Not. And when he got caught, he was sorry. He wasn't repentful. He was sorry that he got caught. If he had repented like Peter, everything would have been fine, you know. But anyway, so that's not the message tonight. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and you know this too because we read that from on Sunday from Psalm chapter 8, right? He gave you dominion over the work of his hands. So this, this, this is for you too. So you can put your own name in there. Knowing that the Father had given all things into your hands, that you came from God and that you're going back to God, you came from God and you're going back to God. You came from there and you're going back there. John 1, 9, it says that he lights every spirit that comes into the world. So he popped you in here at this point in time. And when he popped you in here, he gave you a purpose for popping you. Purpose for popping. And, and you, may, you may know your purpose now, I, I, and, and I'm praying that you do. And... And usually what I find with purpose is it's frustrating. And sometimes it can make you angry. 
you know, like for me, I, I know some of the things that really bother me, and the reason why they really bother me was is because I've been put here to to make a change. And so, well, again, let's let's go off topic again. Okay, let's just do that. But but I mean Moses. But can you imagine Moses now, forty years old, and he discovers his purpose to deliver the Hebrew people, and 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 they he's he's angry because they are being mistreated, and he's seen it. Have you ever been angry about people being mistreated? And so he got angry about it, and then. Of course, he went in the flesh and tried to operate in, in, from that area. He wanted to see the slave set free, but he was going to do it himself one, one Egyptian at a time. And, of course, it, it set him back some 40 years. But what about Jesus? You know, my Bible says that Jesus was moved with compassion when he saw the sick and when he saw the, the, the people without a shepherd. But he must have felt that for 30 years. And, and was not able, because he was not anointed, or, or how about Ecclesiastes 3.1, to everything there is a season, to every purpose under heaven. So maybe, the, maybe you're frustrated because you've got a call to full-time ministry. I don't know. I don't know what would be frustrating you right now, but you need to know that there is a time and there is a season, a season of purpose. And again, Moses being such a great example because he thought that he had thwarted the whole plan of God. And 40 years later, when he was too old to be that eloquent speaker, too old to be that fearless warrior, too old to take a bow for anything that would be done in the kingdom, God called him out. Right? And Jesus, I mean, Jesus, you know, the Bible says that he increased in wisdom and stature and favor with God and favor with man. He had to get the book out, the scrolls out, and he had to find out who he was. And, and then even when he found out who he was, I'm sure, like how many times did he walk by cripples and diseased people and not be able to do anything until Matthew chapter 8 when the lepers, the leper came to him, right? Like, so... But but I think my point in all this is the thing the pa- the thing that creates a passion in you, the thing that rises compassion in you, the thing that even frustrates you and makes you angry may be the thing that you were put on the earth to fix. You know, but every one of us here, every one of us here, and everyone watching, you know, via uh, and the social media and all of the ways that we reach you. Um, you have a purpose, and God has a plan for you, and, and he's going to lead you into it. And I think one of the greatest things that you can do right now is prepare yourself. And um, maybe we need to go to Philippians chapter 4, please. Because once you get your mind right, and that's the first thing you've got to the the mind has to be set and lots of times it has to be reset and and this is what's happened during this pandemic it was a pause like like everything shut down like like you go to a place like Vegas that operates 7 days a week just go 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 well it couldn't go and and, and so the whole of the whole earth has had a chance to pause 
But the purpose of the pause was to reset. But I don't think people got it yet. Like there, there's a purpose to everything. There is a purpose. And so the purpose was reset. And so I know this, once you get your mind right, then you can begin to pursue the purpose. But until you get your mind right or reset, all you're thinking about is your needs and what about me, what about me, what about me? But when you discover purpose and, and know what that purpose is, like maybe your purpose is to, to bring down abortion in Canada, and, and every time you hear about it, it aggravates you. Well, then there's probably a group of people that could be hooked, hooked together, or maybe you're to lead a new, like, you understand what I'm saying? There's something, there is a purpose in you, and chances are it's been identified long ago. And, and maybe it's been a long time and you haven't done anything about it. Well, the anointing is, is coming on you to do that now. So, so but again, he says in Philippians 4, 6, be anxious for nothing. Well, then if I'm anxious, then I'm, I'm self-conscious. Conscious of my situation, conscious of needs and things like that. Be anxious for no thing, but in everything with prayer and thanksgiving supplication rather and thanksgiving make your request be made known unto God and then what happens next let the peace of God rule in your heart because you've been called unto one body and be thankful so if I'm if I'm not feeling experiencing the peace in my heart then I also need to remember Romans 8 5 through the through the end but in Romans 8 5 it begins to tell you that the natural man is hostile to the things of the spirit of God so my natural man is going against what God wants to do in my life because, because I want to be selfish. I want to look out for, we were told in our generation, look out for number one. And what a, what a stinky way to live, you know. It's not the way it's supposed to be. Not supposed to be mean and stingy. It's supposed to be generous. But he said, so, but through everything with prayer and supplication, make your request be made known unto God. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. And, and your rule of your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. The peace of God is pass, passing understanding, ruling your heart and ruling your mind. And then what am I supposed to see? And again, I bring this up a lot with people. What are you thinking about? Because you, you weren't created to have original thoughts. Your thoughts either come from God or the devil. And in this case, it would be God or CNN or Fox or any of those other media outlets that are pumping the foolishness into people right now. And so they, they think, well, I, you know, this is, this is how I think. Well, why do you think that way? If you didn't get your thoughts from this book, then your thoughts are wrong. Romans 12, 2, he meant it. Don't be conformed to this world or informed by this world, but transformed by renewing your mind by the word of God so that you can prove what is good, what is acceptable, the perfect will of God for your life. So here in, here in Philippians 4.8, he's saying, the things that are true, that's the Bible. The things that are pure, that's the Bible. The things that are just, that's the Bible. The things that are perfect, lovely, of a good report, of a good, hey, listen, of a good report. If it's a good report, think on that thing. How do I do that? 
Well, if you're not in control of your thoughts, then who is? If, if you're not controlling what you're thinking about, how do I control what I think about? Well, if I'm thinking a negative thing, I have to speak out a positive word. That's what my Bible says. My Bible says not to me. He said, take my word, Joshua 1, eight. take my word and meditate my word day and night. Think about my word day and night, mutter, utter, and speak my word day and night, and then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. But the onus is on you. And so here God is getting ready to do the greatest. <laughs> I'm telling you right now what you're about to see. But we don't want to be sitting in the bleachers, watching and waiting. We want to be in this, in this thing. And so what have I got to do, God? He said, well, you've got to get out of your mind. <laughs> no, but again, Romans 8, 5 through, can we just go there and then maybe we'll work our way back here. See, because your mind, your natural mind, I can tell you right now, I know it right now because the Bible says so. Your natural mind is hostile to the things of God. Your natural mind says, I, don't, I, I can't accept that because I can't see that and I don't believe that. I mean, how many of you, he's been telling you for years that he loves you and you haven't even accepted that much yet? Shirley was saying yesterday to me, she said, you know, I really like it when you teach some of those things in the Bible. And I thought, well, so do I, but I can't teach it anymore. Number one, people don't want to hear it. I mean, the 40 and under people in particular, they really don't, you know, just, just make me feel good and let me get out of here. But God wants, like, but, but there's some deep things that need to happen in us. And in order to get those deep things in us, we got to say, you know what? Like, like Caleb and Ariel said, Jesus, you're all I need. Well, do you really believe that? Because if you really believe that, you're going to begin to act like that. No, but I realize my mind, my natural carnal mind is hostile to the things of God. Paul the Apostle said it in Corinthians chapter 3. He said, he said you're carnal because you're in strife and you're fighting and arguing and fussing with one another. And he said, that's your badge, carnal. Chili con carne, chili with meat. You're a meathead when you're acting like that. He said, I, he said, he said, I, he said, I got to treat you like babes in Christ. He said, when you're really Superman, you're running around trying to be Clark Kent. This is what he said. He said, he said, you know, he said, you ought to be so much further along. He said to the Hebrews in Hebrews chapter five, hey, come on, you guys, you ought to be teaching now, you know. And I realize I'm talking to the Thursday night people, but I'm talking to you, you know. But not only that, the people that, that hear this and enjoy it, they got it going on in their lives. The people that hear it and get upset are the ones that really, really, really need, need to hear it. <laughs> no, but, but my, my carnal thoughts are selfish thoughts. But when I get thinking about purpose, Purpose will cause me to stay in the Bible day and night, find, trying to find something that will encourage somebody, trying to 
shake somebody up trying to make somebody mad or make them glad or make them sad but not leave them the way you found them. Stir people up. Stir people up because we have a purpose in the plan of God. We've got, we've got, I'll try not to go too long because we've got just about, I don't know, 10 or 15 minute prophecy that we want to show you at the end of this. And if this doesn't float your boat or if this doesn't, this, this will help you a lot. Okay. So, you know, so, okay, where were we going? Romans 8? Okay. Romans 8, okay. Um, verse 5, for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But again, this is Matthew chapter 6 as well. What should we wear? What should we put on? What should we wear? And he's saying, he's saying, consider the birds. You don't need to be concerned about this. He said, you got your focus now on mammon instead of focusing on God. He said, he said, if you'll seek first the kingdom of God and his way of doing things, his righteousness, all of these things that the Gentiles are after, they'll just be added onto you. You don't have to chase after them. I'm not saying you don't work. You're just going to sit home and wait for a page. I'm not talking foolishness. I'm talking you're trusting God for everything. And that's the way you're living. But he said the natural mind, he said they, they that are after the spirit minds of the things of the spirit, to be currently minded is, produces death. It doesn't produce, there's no life in it. In other words, to be led by my head, there's no life in it. I'm to be, Roman, we, when we get to verse 14, he said, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So the, the deal is to get over, to be over in the Spirit. And we've been prepared a place there. So he said, there the mind, the things of Spirit. To be currently minded is death, but to be spiritually minded, to be spiritually minded is what? Zoe life, real life, life and peace. Because the carnal mind, here it is, the carnal mind is hostile to the things of God. For they're not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can they be. So I'm sitting here tonight and I'm watching, uh, I'm watching the praise and worship team, as I've done for, you know, since forever. But I remember, I remember when Ariel was learning how to play the keyboards. And I remember when Caleb was just getting started with the ministry that he has right now. And when, and, and, and when I see that, that is spiritually minded. You know, again, why am I preaching this on a Thursday? The people on Thursday don't need to hear this. No, maybe you do. Maybe it's encouraging. But yeah, you do. Obviously, you do. Or I wouldn't be preaching on Thursday night. But you need to know that those things, those are things that you lay down your life to advance the kingdom of God. Those are things like coming here early and getting the building prepared. Those, those are the like the things that, like like Rick and Ann have been sitting where they've been sitting somewhere in our church for over twenty years. And, and Jim and Linda Houghton stand out to me like that as well. And I don't mean to leave anybody out, but some people, they just encourage you by their faithfulness. But again, that, that's not a carnal mind. That's to be spiritually minded, whereas life and peace. So the kingdom of God will advance by people fulfilling their purpose. But can you imagine if everybody that ever came into a church said, plug me in somewhere? 
Hey, you know, what can, and, uh, well, let me pray. I'm, I'm not sure if I feel led to do that. No, no, do what, just do something. Just do something. If it's something that God doesn't want you doing, he'll lead you somewhere else. But he wants you to do something. And, and he needs you to begin to practice because he's going to lead you on purpose. And life really begins when you discover and begin to operate in your purpose. Can we go to Jeremiah 33, please? Verse 3 is one that we use every time a cell phone goes off in a church. Call to me and I'll answer you. Share great and mighty things that you don't know. But this chapter is so powerful because the guy that the guy that washed the disciples' feet, I went to tell that story. Ben Priest one time, we, I think it was the 25th, no, it was the 30th anniversary of the tribe of Judah. He had all of the tribe of Judah people line up across the church and take our shoes off and our socks. And again, you know, like, I'm not really cool about taking my, no, no, I wash them and keep them, but they're like they're the funniest looking things you ever saw in your life. Anyway, uh, <laughs> no, no, women, you know, they do a little pedicure and they get pretty little feet. Women, it's not like that. It's not at all like that. And some of these guys, there were several hundred of, of us. I think there was 400 or 500 men. So, we were, you know, so it, this is going to take a while. And Ben came out with a pan, a wash pan, and went around and washed everybody's feet. And, uh, like, you know, some of these guys are tatted out from head to foot. They were like, you know, hell's angels and this, that, and the other thing before God got a hold of them. And uh, so they changed one family for another, and they came into the kingdom. But some of those big, hardened guys, when, when it came to, to getting their feet washed, they they wept and they shook and they cried. So this is the picture that I get in John chapter 13. You know, even though they had been with him, for, that, that's a very humbling thing. And, and they had desert feet. No, they had, they had stinky feet. Come on. And he went along. But anyway, when Ben did it, by the time he was halfway through, I think, or maybe a little further, his knees were bleeding. I'm sliding from one to the other. And then when he got to the end of it all, he took his wife's feet. And he laid across his wife's feet and wept. It was like one of the most powerful services. And so we're talking about a move of the Spirit of God and the gifts in operation. Look, the greatest gift of all is, is John 13, 35. They'll know who you are by the way you love one another. He didn't say you, you know who you are by the way you correct and judge one another. And point out other people's faults. He didn't say that at all. He said, you'll know they're my disciples by the way they love one another. Whew. Don't you want to be like that? We can be like that. And we don't, we're from different walks of life. I remember when I was in the drug dependency center, I had been there. I was three, three months behind my rent. And, uh, and, uh, and, you know, how I many of you know, three months behind your rent is not a good situation to be in. And I was down the road. I had nothing going on. And, and next to me in the next room was a medical doctor who got drunk every night in his bar in his nice home down in the South End. His bottom, his 
he hit his bottom and my bottom were totally different. And what was my point? Yeah, love one another. That's a good point. Okay. <laughs> if it comes back to me, Effie, tell me, okay? Okay. But, but I want to read Jeremiah 33 because, because when, he, when he came to wash your feet, he came to let you know that coming up the next day, he was going to get the opportunity to say, it is finished. I bought you. You were sold into slavery of sin, and I paid the price, and now you're mine. And I don't hold anything against you. Maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe that was the point. I was three months behind in my rent and a total drug addict. This guy was at a different level, but his bottom was the same. His bottom was the same as mine. That's what I'm trying to say, yeah. Yeah. Behold, but look at, the, look at verse 6. This is a promise that he gave through the prophet Jeremiah. Now, before we read that, no, okay. John 20 in verse 9. No, Jeremiah 20 in verse 9. I'm not confused. I'm just being led. Okay, good one, good one. Okay, look at this, Jeremiah 20 in verse 9. No, this is Jeremiah talking about his passion. This is Jeremiah talking about his pain. Because when you're passionate about something, you're going to get some pain. You want to pastor a church? Get ready for some pain. No, no, but it's a good. It's it's just part of the process. It's part of the process. You have big crowds. You have small crowds. You have four people. You have forty people. What's it going to do to you? Are you going to be the same with four as you were with four hundred or forty? Because you better be. Right, because that one or three or four is every bit as important as a, a bigger. Like you know, take Dave and Betty Wheeler down where they are, preaching to senior citizens because all the young people moved out of the community long ago. So thank God they're there. They do more funerals than most weddings that happen in the city churches. But but thank God that they're there, and they're what they're doing is just as important as somebody with some huge church somewhere. It's just as important to God that one. Amen. So, but here's Jeremiah. He said, ah, and if you understand his life, they called him the weeping prophet. I don't want his ministry. He's got, I don't know, 55 there are so chapters in there, and then he's got the lamentations, you know, boo-hoo, those five chapters. But he preached and preached and preached, and nobody listened. But he's got some good stuff, and we're reading it now. Verse 9, it says, chapter 20, verse 9, Then I said, I'm not going to preach anymore. I'm not going to make mention or speak, speak anymore in his name. He said, I've had enough of the pain. I've had enough of the disappointment. Come on. He was having a Monday. <laughs> I fired myself lots of Sunday nights and hired myself back on Monday. I know about this verse. He said, but his, her, his word was in my heart like a burning fire shut up in my bones. And I was weary with arguing with him. <laughs> so, I kept, so I went back to preaching. <laughs> But see, uh, if you if you don't if you if you if you don't uh, continue on, you you never get the fulfillment of what it is that God's called you to do. You never you 
you never get the feeling of accomplishment. Like I'm sure that you guys, is it okay if I pick on you because you're sitting on the front row? You guys must have some really awesome feeling of accomplishment when you've learned, uh, you know, to do some new worship and, 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 you know, and you know it went off. And then you experience the pain if you feel like it didn't work. But, you know, here's what I have discovered about that. Nine times out of ten, when you think it didn't work, somebody will come up and say, praise the Lord, that was the most anointed praise and worship I've ever experienced. And you thought, man, I couldn't even find the keys. But when you're about your purpose, God is working in that purpose. And who knows what he's getting you ready for. But I know this, that millions, millions, maybe billions of people are getting ready to come into the kingdom of God. And a huge shift is about to take place in North America and Canada and the USA and Mexico and places like that. It's about to rock your world. And I believe that we'll be in church five or six days a week and not bothered by it at all because it's where we want to be. And God will have to make adjustments. I'm amazed at the early church when they got, when they got a hold of their purpose, when they came fallen, drunken in the Holy Ghost out of that upper room in Acts chapter 2, everything shifted, everything changed. And they found their purpose. They didn't have any Bible to preach, but they preached Jesus and him crucified. And they threw them in jail and they got out and they preached more Jesus and him crucified. And then when I get to Acts chapter 4, it says that great signs and wonders and miracles were being done by the name of the Holy One, Jesus. Great grace was upon them. And it says this, there were none among them that lacked and they had all things in common. In other words, prosperity didn't matter because everybody was able to take care of everybody else. And then, and then, and then, you read things like in Acts chapter 5, and they came from all the cities around about Jerusalem, bringing those that were sick, those that were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed, every one. And they laid them on beds and coaches, lest by the shadow of one of us might overshadow some of them. I'm telling you, miracle work and power, these things are coming. And all we need to do is get out of our heads and, and, and start caring about the other person. Let's love the other one. And you need prayer to do it. It doesn't come natural. What comes natural is selfishness because that's what happened to Adam and Eve. And so, you know, that's what comes with a carnal mind. But it's not us. Okay. Uh, yeah, so he says here, he said, I, I can't help it. I've got to experience. I've experienced pain and disappointment, but I need to experience what, when I accomplish something, when I get fulfilled by leading somebody to the Lord or, or being able to give a big tithe or a big offering because I could never do it before. You know, those are the kind of things that are, that are fulfilling. That's why he would say it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And you know, and you know when this happened. It's like, wow, I feel good about that. And God created you to feel good about it. But now over in chapter 33, where I wanted to be, how about verse 6? Now this is this is the new covenant promise written by Jeremiah. Behold, I will bring health and a cure. I will cure them. I will reveal unto them the abundance of what? Peace and truth. I will cause the captivity of Judah and the captivity of Israel to return, and I'll build them up like at the first. 
So, the, you know, if, if just the backsliders came home right now, millions would come into the kingdom of God. Thousands in this city. Just that one event. But, in, but again, in it, when, when, when the purpose came for the Holy Ghost, when the purpose came in that upper room 10 days after the, when that purpose hit, when that purpose hit, the purpose began to be immediately fulfilled. And 3,000 people got born again the first day. The first day. Because the time was right. I'm telling you, there's the right time coming up on you. Verse uh, 8. And I will cleanse, listen to this. I will cleanse them from all their iniquity, whereby they have sinned against me. And I will pardon what? All of their iniquities where they have sinned, whereby they have transgressed against me. And it shall be a name of joy, praise, and honor before all the nations of the earth, which shall, which shall, look at the, what's, what are the nations going to hear? He's going to tell you right now. They will hear of the good that I do unto them. And then look at this next part of this verse, and they shall fear and tremble. Now make a note in your margin if you write on your Bible. Write Philippians 2, verse 12, where it says you're going to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Or you can mark down Mark 5, 33, where it talks about the woman with the issue of blood. She came and fell at his feet with fear and trembling. She wasn't, she wasn't afraid of him. She was relating back to this verse. This, she was, it was the goodness. The goodness caused her to be in reverence, be in fear and trembling. How do you know that? Because it says it right here. <laughs> when they hear of the good that I shall do unto them, they shall fear and tremble for all the goodness and all the prosperity that I procure unto them. Verse 11, the voice of joy, the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom, the voice of the bride, the voice of them that say, praise the Lord of armies, for the Lord is good, and his mercy endures forever. And unto them shall bring a sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. Well, I will cause them to return from their captivity of the land. And be like at the first, says the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, again in this place, which is desolate without man or beast in all the cities, that it shall be a habitation of shepherds that are causing their flocks to lie down, to be at peace. Hallelujah. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.